Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. It's time for how to, and we address uh, the sorts of decisions we don't take every day. And today, it's it's one. Hopefully, I might, that may never happen to you, but if it does, it would be hopefully relatively unusual. Today, it's how to prepare for a prison sentence. Wayne Hart is an academic and a former prisoner himself. Good afternoon, Wayne. How's it going, Sean? So let's take it from the point that someone's been already convicted. Then I suppose they might consider appealing it. Is that always necessarily a good idea? No. So um, the the the... The person before the, the criminal justice system should know themselves whether, you know, it's worth appealing, whether it's like, you know, look, I done it, I do the time, take her on the chin and go in, you know. Um, but then there's times when, you know, judges are human as well. You only have a bad day and mm. there could have been a couple of heavy cases beforehand and argy-bargy in the court and then you're up and bang, you get a whack. Um, um, it happened to me one day. You know, someone in front of me, uh, like there's a million pounds worth of stuff, you know what I mean? And the case was all over the place and there was trouble in the case before that. Your man got five years and I was up then. I was up in 1,500 pounds worth of the same stuff and I got five years. <laughs> right, okay, yeah. <laughs> and I took it on the chain because yeah. obviously I'd got away with so much beforehand and I hadn't got caught. So, you know, they need to wear up themselves. But, you know, you can appeal severity of sentence or you can appeal conviction. You know, if you appeal conviction and you're reconvicted, the sentence can be doubled. Yeah. And the yeah. DPP, you know, sometimes you'll get a sentence, you know, you might be expecting eight years or ten years and you go in and get five, you know, you're expecting eight or you go in and get seven after being expecting ten. I wouldn't be appealing it, you know, because, yeah. um, you know, you, you, again, you take it on the chin. But once you're in there, they need to link in with the services, you know. Um, but I always say, if you go to court or if you're involved in crime, I'm not advocating crime, but you need a bailiff's person. You need to have someone there with bail, you know, if you are going to appeal a sentence. Because there's no point appealing a sentence and being on remand, you know, if your end goal is to get out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and, and is that difficult to get somebody to, to put up bail for you? Yeah, well, it depends. I remember a friend of mine, he won't mind me, I won't say second name, but uh, he, we, we were all down the shops one day and we were doing what we were doing. And we were sitting in the field and he goes, what's the first thing we need doing what we're doing? And no one said that. And I said, a bail's person. You're 100% correct. What's happened to someone there in the background, you know what I mean? Now, the problem is, there's someone there in the background when you're coming from air background, it's <laughs> probably, probably doing the same thing we've been doing. Do you know what I mean? So you're looking for a cash bail then, you know. Um, and how much can that be? It can be anything. You know what I mean? If you look at the, the case there the other day, some lad caught 180 grand's worth of stuff. Um, and I think his surety, which is the actual cash that goes down, so you'll get you'll get a known bond, you know what I mean, mm. and uh, your own bond could be five thousand, you know what I mean, and then a surety of five thousand, you know, so the, that five thousand would have to be lodged, whether it's lodged up in Mount Joy or it's lodged in in the courts on the day, but if. <coughs> Should always be saying too much and giving people ideas. <laughs> yes. Either you know what I mean. But if you come with a criminal background and it, 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 it's it's a cash, a short a cash lodge lodgement, anyone can go up and lodge that. Crikey! Yeah, but who has you know who has <laughs> friends who can say, oh, I've got five yeah. grand hanging around yeah. my house. Yeah, yeah. I'll just uh, stick that in there. <laughs> the, right. So uh, so say what for whatever you know you decide not to appeal it. Do you go immediately to prison to start the sentence, or yes. can there be a gap? Um, now I have seen it, and it was this is the case I was talking about back in back 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 then the nineties. Uh, the chap had got the sentence, but he's 
I don't like to say too much identify for someone but he had stuff going on family stuff mm. and he was given till the 1st of May to get his stuff in order and report to the prison now I've only ever seen and heard it once or seen it once you'll hear stories that's yeah. the only one I can talk about alright and that, that so that would uh, the gap between being sentenced and going to prison might to do with whether the court sees you as a you know, yeah, well, upstanding can, citizen. Well, right? yes, and it can also be a case that you could have mental health issues, you know, mm. or you could have drug addiction. So you may get, you know, an interim uh, probation order or probation order or put back for a probation order, you know, so you're sent into treatment. Like, it's, you'd be hard pushed out there, judges will be hard pushed out there to sentence someone that has a drug problem and they're engaging with the services on the outside, you know, yeah. unless it's really, really bad, the the the, the charge like, because um, if you, if you take away the issue that's causing the problems, and there should be no more issues, so giving someone that chance, well, here's your chance now. You need to link in with the services, get a day program, get you know key workers, get referred to a detox. You know, that's the primary. Then the secondary, going on to treatment, and then say coming back out into recovery day program. You were doing that. You know, the likes of Kilmoyne and Kundara and, and, uh, and, you know, um, Hoy Park and all them, St. Francis Farm, you know, Enfield, taking people in, helping them, detoxing them, treatment, and then they go back out to the courts, you know what I mean? And then it's on the courts then what they do. Nine times out of ten, they'll put it back to see here, they'll give you a suspended sentence, mm. but put the sentence in place, we'll suspend it for a period of time. So you could get five years suspended for two years, which means if you act the maggot in those two years, you will get the five years yeah. that you were initially yeah. given. Yeah. So it's a fair enough chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? If though you go into prison and you have mental health issues or you have drug addiction issues, what kind of services are available in prisons there or does is, that vary? Back back in the day, you go in, drop your drop your cacks, he'd lift up your sack, cough. We were looking at young lads going in, right, full of bravado, ego, mm. pride. And you have a doctor that says to you, drop a lot of people are coming from trauma. Yeah. I, I was. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, from that background and lifestyle. So you've all that going on. And then, you know, you have mental health service. But there is services within the prison, you know. Um, when I was doing my TED Talk in Mountjoy Prison there in 2019, the governor, the head governor, um, spoke as well. And the first thing he spoke about was the services that are in there. Now, the services have changed since I was there. You know, you would have people in there that, you know, um, psychotherapists have psychologists education psychologists and then you would have people that would be links workers to the services they would come up and do an assessment so there would be a links in a link in the in in the prison and they would grant to say kill mind their outreach workers or in reach they'd come in they'd assess a person in the prison you know what i mean for a detox you mm-hmm. know what i mean um but it's it, pre that if my advice is if you're on drugs out there you know, get yourself onto a methadone program pre going in because you're going in on drugs, you're getting a detox in there. It's hard to do a detox in prison because they start you low, they bring you up. Obviously, they've learned people are getting 40 mils and bumping, hitting the deck because they're using on top. So you're starting low and then you bring you up daily and then they bring you back down. So you detox over a period of time, but there's no treatment. There's no, there is NA meetings in there, which is, which is brilliant now. Um, the, all the services and all have really opened up to Narcotics Anonymous. Um, other than that, you're not going to walk down the land and say, oh, I need a hug. 
I'd imagine not. You but know? at the same time, though, Wayne, I'd, uh, is it important to have friends in there, to have some sort of social network? Well, prison is a community. Yeah. You know, like, you, you can look at any which way you want. Prison is a community. Um, and I remember, you know, lads coming in and lads would be bullying them. I was bullied as a kid and I was like, oh, not happening. And you take them in, you take them under your wing. Today it's a bit different. They're taking people in that are vulnerable under their wings and they're using them for drugs or mules or, you know, or they start. People with drug addiction will be buying, we're in the prison system. And then they can't pay or they get moved or something happens. And then the families are getting targeted on the outside. Like It has really changed, you know what I mean? So my advice is if you're on drugs going into prison, try and, you know, link in with the services or, you know, get your methadone. Make sure you have that in place, that you're not mm-hmm. sick and that you're not vulnerable and open to that, 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 that kind of suppression in there, you know? But you'd, you'd, you'd also need to have some sort of sense whether, you know, if someone's being pallied here, whether they have some yeah, other well, agenda. Yeah, well, most people that are involved in criminality... <clears throat> kind of no one other, you know um, mm. even all this, this this feud and stuff that goes on and the drug gangs it rarely seeps outside of their own mm. you know you, yeah. you, we're not like other countries where a lot of innocent people get caught up in it now innocent people do get caught up in the regards to those their family members that have to live with it and suffer the pain and anguish that has gone on you know or someone on drugs or someone that's being shot you know and now whole communities can be traumatised like the northeastern our city at the minute Um so it's important to <clears throat> realise that there's a, there's always victims. Always. Yeah. You know, yeah. always victims. Whether you see them or not, or whether they've been directly, you know, physically hurt by it, you know what I mean? That There's always, because there's the worry, there's that knock on the door, you know what I mean? My parents yeah. had it for years, like. Yeah. You know? It, it, do people uh, routinely get their own cells? Do you share cells? Yeah. So it, it came in by, two, I think it was about 2001, 2002, I think it was. Um, could have been four or five, I'm not sure. Because when I was in there, they were doing the process of making every cell had to have a toilet in it. Up until that, like, like 2014 or something, in Mountjoy Prison, it was still slapping out. Yeah. So pissing Crikey. in the pot. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, now they brought in what we call the Jacks Patrol. So between half seven and ten, you put your lawyer on, an officer coming out and let you out. So if you wanted to go after that, you know what I mean? You'd want to hope you were in a single cell because like you're going in, into a newspaper and tying up in the bag or something. Lovely. Because yeah. they used to used to put her out the windows yeah. and drop down. And we'd have people coming around shoveling and, and a wheelbarrow. We used to call them the bomb squad because that's what you do. The bomb. You know, it just it, the, 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 the slap and the splat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and then they'd have to go around cleaning up. So we used to call them the bomb squad. <laughs> Thank God all that stuff was changed. We used to walk down the landings and the smell. Oh. No, and they had to think of staff have to. Yeah. We're, we're kind of yeah. we're used to it. And you have staff coming in that aren't. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, so thank God it's changed for everyone yeah. in there. And so, but if, say, you're sharing a cell, yeah. do they kind of choose carefully who you're going to be put in with? At the moment, yeah. moment, you would come in. Even back in the day when I was there, they'd kind of start it, you know, who you aligned with, where are you from, you know, they look at. So if I was coming in from North East Inner City, which my family and I are originally from, um, you know, X, Y and Z, I could be a target, you know, because of what's going on. So they'd put me with... The people are all from North East Inner City. You yeah, know what I mean, right. um, if I was linked to any part of of, of of the feuds that were going on, you would be put 
on a wing or a landing with those people. So you you've, you've that feud now going out on out in Finglas. So they're all in separate landings as well, separate jails and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, and so what is there to do in there? So, so I always say to people, you know. I got to a point where I didn't serve time, time served me. So I went and I asked them to teach me how to read and write properly. You know, uh, I was 25 at the time and they assessed me and the educated psychologist and all the reading and writing abilities of a 13 year old. Um, so I learned to read and write in prison, you know what I mean, properly. Now I'm still, I'm highly dyslexic. It turns out I only found out that my 40s and UCD and mm. mild ADD. Um, Explained a lot. <laughs> explained a lot. Help explain a lot. But because of that, I had other resilience, and even the resilience come from trauma. So I learned other ways of of learning, you yeah, know, and I had yeah. other skill sets that kind of went up and a great critical thinking. Um, that's how like when I was handing essays, like the, the lecturers were saying, you need to think about publications when. You're not far off publication standards, and your stuff is just so spot on. And the gaps you're seeing, oh, to me it was obvious. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, where you you could probably get in there and type that. No, but it take me probably an hour to type that. Yeah, yeah. But could you do a jump over? Could you plan a robbery? <laughs> <laughs> not, not that yeah. I'm asking. Yeah. So different <laughs> skill sets. So yeah. I've I've learned to. Utilise those skill sets, and I'm I'm telling people out there: if you're in prison, you're not wrote off. Don't write yourself off. Yeah. I went and I started with doing kind of physical courses. So I done the NCFE, which is a, a training course, like you know the aerobics instructor, gym instructor. I went on then. I done the FEI coaching course in there. Then I done the GEA coaching course. I have them licenses. I have a full GEA coaching license. So when I came back out into the community, I was able to go up to the local club. O'Toole's and they embraced me. Yeah. And O'Toole's is a massive part of my, re- my re- reintegration. Someone I'm working with at the moment now is kind of doing the same. He's gone and he's playing with O'Toole's and he wants to relocate now um, and doesn't want to go back to his peers where he's getting into trouble and all, which yeah. is massive. Okay. So there's a, like a, is there a whole rake of different things? You yeah, can, well, you I, 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 I went to school first for the cooking class, right? Everyone puts now out the cooking class. A six week, six week cars. We got lucky. Something happened. We ended up getting twelve weeks out of it. It was just to get decent food, like. But it's like that whole thing, the continuum of care. Once you get them in, you mm. walk them around the services. It's the same with the skill. You get in, you get used to it. You don't want to be walking around the, the yard talking about bags, jags, and one bags. So what you want to do, you know what I mean? Keep that mind idle or keep it going, you know. Mm. So um, I just ended up just going in then and. I said, can I do X, Y, and Z? And I, to, I love, oh, I love history. Can I do history? I said, I like maths. I do maths, done English, you know, done other things. And eventually, I was a third attempt or something. I passed my junior cert. Um, I was twenty eight, nearly twenty nine. Yeah. I passed my junior cert, and now I have a master's and I have a master's cert. But that all started in prison. So yeah. You're not rolled off. Yeah. You know, sir, let, let, let time save you. Don't save time. Yeah. You know, because there's all sorts you can do in there. Yeah. There's good, ma- good training and education programs in there. Yeah. You mentioned the Gugri course. What's the food like outside of that? Um, well, <laughs> it changed. At one point, they brought in a kind of five star chef and oh. you had a 28 day menu. The job public kicked up. So. People in prison have made mistakes. You don't know what. Or why? When nobody wakes up, 
I certainly didn't wake up and go went to school one day when I was seven years of age and teacher asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm. I didn't say a heroin abuse. I didn't say I wanted to be a survivor of sexual abuse. You know, I didn't want to say that I had to use drugs because of what was going on in my head. You know, I didn't want to say that some of the kids in the area that experienced it with me had killed themselves. You know, um, people don't see that. Mm. see a number. I yeah. talk about it in my TED Talk, you know, my, my prison number was 2,500, so I was the 2,500 person in prison. I think they're up at 50,000 now. Right. This is in, in the 80s. Um, and I was asked, to, I was at a talk, I was doing a talk, and um, I was on trauma, and I got asked to come up to the prison, to the Dogus, to do the same thing. But the week before, I'd been denied access to the prison to do my job. I was working for a subsidiary the probation services time and I was running groups, choice and challenge groups within the in the, in the prison system. And they refused me because it's coming back prison away in uh, two thousand five hundred. So when I was asked, I said, well, it wouldn't let me in to do that. I said, So why would I come back now and do a TED talk? I was mm. like, What and when he came, he says, Oh yeah, I said, I said, Why? I said, I said, because prison are two thousand five hundred and I remember the day and I've done stuff on, on, which is before, and Governor John Lanigan, two of us were on together. And he said, he'd always remember me because he used to go in and he'd stand there and he'd have two prisoners, two officers, depending on who you are, you'd have two officers either side you and an ACO behind you if you were, if you had potential. And the governor would be there and he'd be looking for whatever and he'd be writing it down, there's no way can't, nothing. And he said something to you, you've never been out in TR, you not, you know, is there not an incentive? I said, you need to give me incentive. And he goes, how do we do that? So he could start by looking at me. And he looked up at me. Now I knew I was saying, because I could see the, the, the prison officers out of the side of me, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and he looked up at me and he started talking to me, you know, and, and he kind of started the whole, you know, bringing in, the, I don't act in prison as well. So they come in, people come in the gate, they and you prom proper players, mm. like I, I the lead role in Juno and the Paycocks, so, you know, um, you know, stage from start to finish, it's a big proper production and it goes on over three or four nights, you know what I mean? So hundreds of people, the prisoners all get sick and then the, all the outside, all the dignitaries come in and the politicians and their families and stuff, you know, so there's a lot, you'd see a lot of the lads that have been, some of them have died now um, in a lot of the Irish films. Um, there is skill sets that people can twist or learn, you know what I mean? Yeah. Change. Yeah. For positive. Wayne Hart is a, a GAA trainer, actor, a chef, uh, also a, an academic and former prisoner. Wayne, thanks a million. No, well, cheers. Thank you. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Anna Glaze on News Talk.